peace be upon you. So one of the common arguments made for the justification for upholding the Hadith besides the Quran is that it was the messenger's job to judge. And it's the duty of the believers to obey his judgment. And this is a factually correct statement. But the conclusions they come from this, that we have to uphold the Hadith, is factually inaccurate. And before we get to why this is factually inaccurate, let's look at some of these verses that are often brought up. Uh, the strongest verse is probably Surah 4, verse 65. It says, Never indeed by your Lord, they are not believers. Unless they come to you to judge in their disputes, then find no hesitation in their hearts whatsoever in accepting your judgment. They must submit a total submission. And another verse is Surah 33, verse 36. This says, No believing man or believing woman, if God and his messenger issue any command, has any choice regarding that command. Anyone who disobeys God and his messenger has gone far astray. So there's no question that yes, God's messenger must judge in our affairs. The error is made in thinking that these verses support the upholding of Hadith besides the Quran. And this can easily be disproven by asking the simple question, by what mechanism did the messenger judge? Or put another way, did the messenger judge by the book of God, the Quran, or did he judge by some other means that is not contained in God's book? And before diving into this question, it's worth pointing out that it's not the function of a judge to make laws, but only to interpret and apply them. This means judges are bound by the laws passed by legislative bodies and can only apply those laws to the cases brought before them. Legislators, on the other hand, they are not judges, and they are the ones who are responsible for creating and passing laws. In the case of religion, God alone is the lawgiver. He is the one who creates the laws, and it is the messenger's role to apply the laws given by God as they are commanded. So in no uncertain terms can the messenger of God create their own laws. They can only apply the laws that were given to them by God himself. But this goes counter to the Hadith corpus. You know, if we consult the Hadith literature, we see that it, it constantly has the messenger creating laws and in a position of being a legislator, establishing laws. For instance, in one narration from Sahih Muslim, the Prophet contemplated prohibiting cohabitation. So it reads, it's, this is a Sahih Muslim uh, 1442a. It says, Allah's Messenger is saying, I intended to prohibit cohabitation with a suckling woman until I considered that the Romans and the Persians do it without any injury being caused to their children thereby. So he was saying that he was contemplating passing legislation prohibiting, making it haram for uh, someone to cohabitate with their wife who is breastfeeding. But then he went and consulted the uh, Persians and the Romans and saw that it didn't harm their children, so he decided not to move forward with this law. We have another narration, this is from Bukhari, that claims that the Prophet considered making brushing their teeth with the sawak a mandatory for abolition. So this is in Sahih Bukhari 887. It says, narrated by Abu Huraira, Allah's Messenger said, If I had not found it hard for my followers or the people, I would have commanded them 
to clean their teeth with the sawak for every prayer. You know, this makes it out to be that the Prophet had the authority to pass new laws, that it was his discretion that determined the abolition, that he could have said, yes, you know what, I thought about it and I'm going to include brushing your teeth as part of the abolition. And we have another example. This is Abu Dawood, number 2374. And this has to do with the concept of cupping. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. They take jars that are heated. They stick them to people's back. For whatever reason, uh, this was a thing back then. You still see it done today. And uh, there's these interesting narratives where in some of the narratives, the prophet is saying that it's uh, uh, evil and no one should do it. And then in other narratives, it's saying that he loved cupping, that it's one of the best medicines. So there's these contradictory narratives, but this one specifically, it reads, it says, a man from the companions of the prophet told me that the messenger of Allah restricted cupping and perpetual fasting, but he had not made them haram, unlawful, by showing mercy on his companions. Thereupon he was asked, messenger of Allah, you observe perpetual fast till dawn. He replied, I observe perpetual fast till dawn for my Lord gives me food and drink. So there's so much wrong here. So it's saying that, again, the, the uh, messenger of God was acting as a legislator, that he was contemplating, should I make this haram? He says, okay, I'm going to tell him that it's restricted uh, and out of my mercy, I'm not going to make it haram. As if he had the authority to make something haram or halal. To assume that the prophet had the authority to make such commandments directly contradicts the Quran. The Quran informs us that the Prophet was enjoined from being able to issue any prohibitions that were not authorized by God. So it doesn't make sense to think that he was considering such prohibitions for his people, let alone that he even had the authority to do so, that he had the authority to determine what steps to add to the abolition, that he had the authority of determining if you can cohabitate with your wife while she's feeding. Uh, that you can determine if it's halal or haram to, to uh, partake in cupping. You know, this goes completely contradictory to the Quran. And the ideal example of this is in Surah 66, verse 1. It says, O you prophet, why do you prohibit, make haram, what God has made lawful, halal, for you just to please your wives? God is forgiver, merciful. If the prophet had the authority to determine what is haram and halal, then this verse would never have to be revealed to him. This is because he's attributing falsehood to God. He did not have the authority to determine what is haram and what is halal. We have another example regarding the commandment from God for the prophet to marry the divorced wife of his adopted son. If the prophet was allowed to determine what was lawful or unlawful based on his own discretion, he wouldn't have been called out for being apprehensive to carry out God's command. And note that this verse comes immediately after the command emphasizing that if one wants to be in the fold of the religion, one must obey God and his messenger. So this shows that even the prophet himself as a human being had to abide by the commandments given to him in the Quran. I'm going to start from 3336 says, No believing man or believing woman, if God and his messenger issue any command, has any choice regarding that command. Anyone who disobeys God and his messenger has gone far astray. So notice, God is calling out anyone that receives a command from God and his messenger. They have to follow through with that command. And then it continues in 3337, Recall that you said to the one who is blessed by God and blessed by you, Keep your wife and reverence God. 
and you hid inside yourself what God wished to proclaim. Thus you feared the people when you were supposed to fear only God. When Zaid was completely through with his wife, we had you marry her in order to establish the precedent that a man may marry the divorced wife of his adopted son. God's commands shall be done. So if the prophet himself was uh, authorized to make legislation, then anything he says must go. But the fact that God has to correct him and make him proclaim what he tried to conceal shows that he doesn't even have a say in this matter. All he can do is judge by what is given to him. He is not a legislator. You know, additionally, if the prophet attributed anything to God that was other than the revelation of God, God says he would have put him to death and punished him severely. This is Surah 69, verses 43 through 47. It says, A revelation, tanzil, from the Lord of the universe. And if he fabricated against us other words, we would have seized him by the right hand, then would have severed the aorta from him. None of you could have helped him. So this is saying that the prophet could only deliver the message. He was not a legislator. He could only judge by the Quran. So we see that the Quran goes counter to the Hadith. The Hadith makes the prophet as a legislator, one who can determine, use their discretion, determine what is halal and what is haram. The Quran is very clear that the prophet did not have this authority. In Surah 66 verse 1, when he attempted to prohibit something just to please his wives, he gets called out for it. In Surah 33 verse 36 and 37, we see that when he was apprehensive to marry the divorced wife of his adopted son, God pressed the issue and made him proclaim the truth. The Quran clearly states that messengers are prohibited from judging by their opinions. So if the prophet in the Hadith has an opinion for something, this is actually reprimanded in the Quran. The Quran cites the example of David when he judged between the two brothers and their sheep and was warned against following his own personal opinion in his judgments. In Surah 38 verse 26, it says, O David, we have made you a ruler on earth. Therefore, you shall judge between the people truthfully. Do not follow your personal opinion, lest it diverts you from the way of God. Surely those who stray off the way of God incur severe retribution for forgetting the day of reckoning. So the messengers cannot use their own discretion. They cannot use their own opinions in determining, hey, should we add brushing the teeth as part of the Salat? Hey, should we allow cohabitation or should we make it haram? The messengers have no authority in this. All they can do is deliver what was commanded to them. Also, we see in this verse that it says, you shall judge between the people with the truth, truthfully. And we see that the Quran is the absolute truth. In Surah 2, verse 146, says, Those who receive the scripture recognize the truth herein, as they recognize their own children. Yet some of them conceal the truth knowingly. It continues, 2, 147, This is the truth from your Lord. Do not harbor any doubt. In two other verses on this topic, Surah 3, verse 62, it says, Absolutely, this is the narration of the truth. Absolutely, there is no God except God. Absolutely, God is the Almighty, most wise. And again, we see in 487, it says, God, there is no God except He. He will surely summon you on the day of resurrection, the inevitable day. Whose narration, hadith, is more truthful than God's? So this is a fact. The messengers were obligated to judge strictly by the truth.
The following verses show that the truth they are to judge by is specifically the scripture that they received. And anyone who judges by any other means is committing a falsehood. The first verse is Surah 2, verse 213. It says, The people used to be one community when God sent the prophets as bearers of good news as well as warners. He sent down with them the scripture bearing the truth to judge among the people in their disputes. So again, I want to emphasize that God sent down the scripture with the truth to judge among the people in their disputes. He did not send down the sunnah, the hadith, anything else. He specifically sent the scripture. If we look at the following next verses, these are really powerful punches and it destroys this concept of using the hadith or the sunnah to judge. In Surah 5 verse 44, Surah 5 verse 45 and 47, it delivers the most potent death punch to the hadith and sunnah. And I'm only going to read the last uh, sentences from each of these verses. So 544 says, Those who do not judge in accordance with God's revelations are the disbelievers. So if you're not judging by God's revelations, you are a disbeliever. In 545, it reads, Those who do not judge in accordance with God's revelations are the unjust. That if you want to be just, you want to make it to paradise, you have to judge by means of God's revelations. And here's the final one, 547, it says, The people of the gospel shall judge in accordance with God's revelations therein. Those who do not judge in accordance with God's revelations are the wicked. This shows that the only book we have for judgment, if you choose to say that you're a follower of the prophet's religion, you're a follower of Milata Ibrahim, is this Quran. This is the only revelation given to the prophet for us to judge by. And we see this is exactly what the prophet was commanded to do. He was specifically commanded to judge only by means of the Quran. And it's the same batch of verses. Surah 5 verse 48 says, Then we reveal to you this scripture truthfully, confirming previous scriptures and superseding them. You shall judge among them in accordance with God's revelations and do not follow their wishes if they differ from the truth that came to you. And it says, for each of you, we have decreed laws and different rights. Had God willed, he could have made you one congregation, but he thus puts you to the test through the revelations he has given each of you. You shall compete in righteousness to God is your ultimate destiny, all of you. Then he will inform you of everything you had disputed. So in this verse, 548, the prophet is specifically commanded, you shall judge among them in accordance with God's revelations and do not follow their wishes if they defer from the truth that came to you. And it continues in 549, says, You shall judge among them in accordance with God's revelations to you. Do not follow their wishes and beware lest they divert you from some of God's revelations to you. If they turn away, then know that God wills to punish them for some of their sins. Indeed, many people are wicked. So consistently, through and through, the prophet is commanded to judge by means of the scripture, not by some other source, not even by the previous scriptures. And the icing on the cake is in Surah 4, verse 105. It says, we have sent down to you the scripture truthfully in order to judge among the people in accordance with what God has shown you. You shall not side with the betrayers. The only Furqan, the only book of law that the prophet received was this Quran. This is the laws by which he was allowed to judge by.
not some other secondary source. He had no right to make up his own discretion regarding what is halal and what is haram. This only can be decreed by God. Now let's contrast this with what is contained in the Hadith Corpus. In Bukhari 3635, we have some of the children of Israel who supposedly come to the Prophet to judge regarding illegal sexual intercourse. And it states that Allah's Messenger said to them, What do you find in the Torah, the Old Testament, about the legal punishment of stoning? They replied, But we announced their crime and lashed them. Abdullah bin Salam said, You are telling a lie. Torah contains order of stoning. They brought and opened the Torah, and one of them placed his hand on the verse of stoning and read the verses preceding and following it. Abdullah bin Salam said to him, Lift your hand. When he lifted his hand, the verse of stoning was written there. They said, Muhammad has told the truth. The Torah has verses of stoning. The Prophet then gave the order that both of them should be stoned to death. Abdullah bin Umar said, I saw the man leaning over the woman to shelter her from the stones. How barbaric, right? This goes in complete contradiction to the Quran. The Quran tells the Prophet, that you are to judge by what was revealed to you. The Prophet did not receive the Torah. The Prophet received the Quran alone. And it specifically says in Surah 5 verse 48, it says, You shall judge among them in accordance with God's revelations and do not follow their wishes if they differ from the truth that came to you. This whole fabrication around stoning of adulterers, it's absolutely barbaric. There is no foundation of this in the Quran. The Quran is very clear on this. They have to fabricate all this hadith that the stoning verses were abrogated, that they were eaten by a goat or a sheep. It's absolute nonsense. And now you have, again, the Prophet going completely against God's commandments in the Quran, that he's to judge only by this scripture, not by the previous scriptures, not by his own opinions. Again, one of the names of the Quran is Al-Furqan, the statute book, the book of law. This is because the Quran is our book of law. And the only book by which the Prophet and the upholders of the Quran are to judge by is this Quran, this Furqan, not some other secondary writing that was compiled hundreds of years after the death of the Prophet. In Surah 25, verse 1, it says, Most blessed is the one who revealed Al-Furqan, the statute book, to his servant, so he can serve as a warner to the whole world. The Furqan is the title only for God's scriptures and not for the unauthorized collection of hadith attributed to the Prophet. Therefore, all the laws we are to uphold must come from the law book itself, which is only the Quran. In Surah 6, verse 114 through 115, it says, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he is revealed to you this book fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate, shall change his words. He is the here, the omniscient. The Quran reigns supreme. The Hadith is nothing. It's utter fabrications created by the enemies of the Prophet to lead people astray. It contradicts the Quran every twist and turn. The only law that the Prophet had that he was abiding by is the Quran. If you want the messenger to judge in your affairs, the way we do that is we go straight to the book of law that he delivered because this was his sole duty was to deliver this Quran, not the Hadith, not the Sunnah. And we see that the testimony on the day of judgment 
from the Prophet against his people is that his people have deserted this Quran. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys want notes from today's discussion, you can go to Quran Talk blog. There you can find notes from today's uh, discussion as, part, as far as a bunch of other articles on various topics. If you want to find like-minded people, please join us on Discord. We got a thriving community, daily discussions, debates, meditation, Quran recitation, Quran studies. It's an awesome place. Would love to have you there. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran study app on the iOS app store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranStudyApp.com website. In addition, we also have ChronicLabs.com website where you can find additional material. And if you want to get regular updates, please follow me on Twitter at TalkQuran. And until next time, peace be upon you and God bless.